There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry. Those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Captivity can go far beyond the companies you represent. It starts between your ears and its impact is felt in every corner of your business. We're all about helping agency principals and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. If your goals are big enough, you're going to have to get uncomfortable to be able to reach them. Our team at RiskWell is living this out every single day. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and everything I learn along the way. We deliver relevant, tactical, and actionable content from industry peers, innovative partners, and a variety of leaders from other business verticals. We're not holding anything back. There's no upsell, no guru pitch, and no fluff. It's time to unshackle yourself from captivity and make your freedom jump with the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. We help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. And boy, oh boy, we are in for a treat today. Miss Lanny Cathy, CEO of X-Dimensional Technologies, commonly known as XDTI in the industry. Uh, she is joining us for a really fun conversation about what they're up to over at XDTI with the Nexture platform and other things that she's got up her sleeve. Lanny, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate talking to you and your audience. You know, anytime I get to chat with somebody who has CEO after their name, I always consider myself uh, fortunate and privileged. But when it happens to be someone who's been in the game for a long time and someone who's of the female persuasion, I I consider myself even more fortunate because as, as we talked about just a moment ago before we started recording, I'm always down for inviting more women to the conversation and getting better representation for the the female gender in our industry, both our industries, I should say, both technology and in the insurance world. So I'm really grateful that you are here with us. Why don't you start us off with your background, your bio, whatever you want to share with us that you think uh, the listeners out here in insurance land might find uh, interesting about how you got to this point in your career as the CEO of a tech company. Uh, very interesting. So yes, um, of the female persuasion, I've been in technology my entire career. And so you go back you know, 35 plus years and a woman 35 years ago it was even more unique than it is today. So I've seen an interesting journey um, come to fruition. It's actually, I was very fortunate. I started my career with IBM. And at that time, IBM was very progressive in embracing women and promoting women. So I had that distinct advantage. I've been associated in the insurance industry for over 20 years. And the insurance industry combined with technology is a different animal. And you're right. Yep. I've experienced many situations and still experience many situations where um, only woman in the room. Hmm. And I get used to that. I see the progress that's been made and that is changing. You know, if, if you look at the numbers, there are a significant amount of women in the insurance industry and even in the insurance tech industry, but not necessarily in the leadership roles. And that's what I'm trying to have an impact on is making sure that that changes. Because in the end, the diversity, not only in gender diversity, 
but in culture diversity, orientation diversity, makes us better people, companies, and makes better technology. I, I couldn't agree more. You know, the diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI conversation, I, I think it is unfortunately limited to a large extent to, to gender, you know, sexual orientation, and, and, you know, ethnic backgrounds. And it's like, there's so much more that goes into a DEI conversation. And you said it right before we hit record, you know, the diversity of opinion, the diversity of perspective, you know, where are you from geographically? You know, what sort of background do you bring to your professional experience? It, it's a tapestry. Every little fiber woven together makes the entire fabric stronger. And I, I'm really glad to hear you say that early in the episode. You are obviously so much more than your biological sex, of course. You're highly accomplished lady in, in our industry here. What do you see as the trigger for this improvement in that bringing more women to the conversation? In, in the last two years that I've been doing this podcast even, I see a lot more women in positions of executive leadership, a lot more agency principals or women than there were a few years ago. What do you attribute some of the, the successes, this progress to, in your opinion? Um, the elimination of fear in the women themselves. You think about the, the progress that's made just culturally. It's eliminated some of the roadblocks that women have personally. I think the only limitations is the limitations you place on yourself. Yeah. And I think that has been removed a lot. And we've made so much more progress in the focus even in younger girls, you know, it's okay to be in math and science and it's cool to do that. That's starting to show up in the later generations. So it's not necessarily, you know, additional doors are opened is the women have less, have less fear in knocking those doors down. And that's what I see. And I think also because we've included, to your point that you made earlier, diversity is more than just gender. It's yep. more common that it's not, you're not singling out the women. And I always like to say, I don't want to be known for, you know, my success based on my gender or culture or orientation. I want to be considered for the results that have been achieved. And I think time has proven out that no matter your gender, your race, your orientation, people that get results progress and have success. However you define results and success. I absolutely love that. And I, I think that is so perfectly aligned with my own philosophy of, I don't care what your demographics are. I care about your deliverables. What do you bring to the table? What are your accomplishments? What's your capacity? Can you get the job done? Can you achieve high marks? Great. If that's you, let's go. I don't care what your demographics are. It means absolutely nothing to me. You know, we had a, a conversation with Meg McKean a few a few weeks ago. Uh, her episode released in March of 2023 as we record this. For those of you listening in the future, uh, go back and check out March of 23. And, and Meg said one of the things that she has seen uh, as a, a trigger for this increased representation is that more women are being shown what they're capable of. They're being given the opportunity to explore what they might want to do. You know, in generations past, so many women felt like they were somehow less than if they weren't enthusiastic about, well, I'm a mom and I'm working as a mom in my home and that's my professional endeavor. And 
I think it's great that so many people are seeing now, hey, you know what? I can be a mom. And then when my kids go off to school, or even while I'm a mom, I can have all these professional endeavors and express myself professionally in ways that we simply didn't see a generation ago, maybe even a decade ago. I love the the inclusion of the whole thing. I think it's fantastic because, I mean, you're a great example. What if you had ascribed to traditional gender roles 35 years ago? We as an industry would have been deprived of what you've delivered uh, in your career, which is pretty extensive. So you're right and that's what i mean about women have they no longer have the fear of knocking those doors down because it's been shown yep. that they can do that and and you're right i remember you know early on before it was uh you know was the norm having my you know daughter under my desk with a coloring hmm. book telling her to be quiet while i was doing work and now that's yeah. become the norm and i w- i was fortunate that i was able to do that so you're at ibm and you're going through that experience. What happens next? How do you get from IBM to the current chapter? Well, it, it, it's been an interesting journey. So I went in to facilitate my family. I went into consulting work where before it was in vogue to work remote and work on an airplane, I did that, you know, 25 years ago, which was very fortunate. I then became involved in the consulting world in the all my clients tended to be insurance companies or in the insurance world. So focused solely on the insurance world and started working with um, LexisNexis and in their insurance practice, and which later became Insurity and ChoicePoint, and then joined Insurity as as they became broke out from LexisNexis, and that hmm. journey's just continued. So from Insurity, forgive my ignorance, how do we get from Insurity to what became X-Dimensional? So at Insurity, I started working with my current chairman of the board, Jeffrey Glazier, and he was working with, as an advisor to Serent Capital, who invested in X-Dimensional two years ago. And as part of that connection, I became the CEO and, and Jeffrey, who we worked together at LexisNexis and Insurity is our executive chairman on our board with the investment of Serent Capital. Okay. And then that's how you, you get your invitation to the game, as they say. Exactly. So did you step in as CEO or did you make your way through the ranks, senior vice president of something? No, I stepped in as CEO and, okay. uh, and, fo- and formed my team from there. Wow. What was that like? You know, so many of us haven't had the privilege of going through that process, you know, being recruited and then coming in at the top, at the the chief executive level, what is that like for someone who's coming in from outside the organization? How do you decide what step one is? And then, of course, building out a team. All of us in the, the agency world know how hard it is to build a quality team. It may be the single most important thing you do as a leader in building out the people around you uh, in the organization. So what was that like for you? It was, it's been a great journey. And I'm, I'm very fortunate in that I have an amazing team, number one. So when you said, what, what do, how do I create the priorities? The first and the always the guiding North Star is what's going to be valuable and help the customer base. The customer base is what keeps us going and keeps us healthy. So as I stepped in as a leader, 
how do I continue to retain the great customers that have been with this company for 20 years? How do I attract the best new companies and add value to them as the leader of this company and the steward of the product and the steward of the of the customers? And in order to do that, I had to bring in a team that I felt I could rely on to help me do that. And I choose team members based, to your point, my next in command is another woman who I've worked with and had many had have had experience with, and we also have very different strengths. So she plays to my weaknesses, and hopefully I play to her weaknesses, and that's what I look for in team members. Because again, back to the diversity, I want diversity and experience, and I don't ever want everyone just like me because I need to surround myself with people that, in in my mind, are much smarter than I am, and all I hopefully can do is is pick among the best decisions that they can help me make. So that's what I looked for in a team. I wanted different backgrounds. So I looked for team members that, you know, Ryan, my chief sales officer came from, a, you know, he comes directly from the agency experience. Kristen, I happen to come from the carrier experience. You put those two types of experience levels together and it creates some good thought processes. And so that that's kind of was my methodology for building the team. Love it. Now, I, I have said so many times, if I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm probably in the wrong room. <laughs> no. So love that approach uh, to your leadership. And shout out to Ryan Bosworth. Uh, he has been great to work with as your chief sales and revenue officer. And just across the board, I would be remiss if I didn't. Uh, Teresa recently announced her retirement, which I'm so devastated about. Teresa's phenomenal. So she is. You know, from 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 Greg Arnold to Casey Krieger to Tom O'Neill and and Robin, whatever Robin's last name is. Sorry, Robin. Cordell. Uh, Cordell. There you go. I'm just going down the list of the people that we've interacted with significantly. It's like the people at XDTI really make the experience. So everybody that I've encountered on your team. There hasn't been a single slouch of any of them. I want to touch on on a couple of things in the early stages of of this little conversation with XDTI. You have a really difficult job, an incredibly difficult job. And I say that as one of your customers, strangely enough, this, this whole podcasting thing is a little ironic at times. You have to balance the responsibility of being a legacy technology platform where some users have been on it far longer than I've been in the industry at all. I graduated high school in 2002, if that gives you any idea. And granted, that was 21 years ago. But you have some users on your platform that have been around your platform for longer than 21 years. So you have those people and those agencies on one side of things. You have the massive brokers like Lockton, for instance, is one of your flagship clients. Absolutely gigantic agency, lots of moving parts, and locked in obviously carries a lot of weight as you know, pretty far off the top 100 list. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you have folks like myself and Riskwell that are much younger, much newer, that come in with a different set of expectations. And you, as the chief executive, lead a team that's responsible for you know, moving the platform forward and innovating, but taking into account those wildly diverse opinions and and thoughts about the best way to do every topic under the sun, everything we can talk about. There's a huge variety of opinions there. How do you, as the lead, the chief executive of a large organization, 
How do you keep all of that straight? How do you make sense of these completely incompatible opinions? Number one, thank you for recognizing that challenge. Um, not all of our customers recognize that challenge. So number one, thank you. Yeah. I think the, the first approach, again, the, the other reasoning for having a diversified team in experience and longevity, even with the company, we were fortunate in that we still have most of the people. You mentioned Teresa, who was retiring. She's been here since you know the very beginning. So a combination of the people that have dealt with the customers since the very beginning, that have an appreciation for the requirements and why they've stayed with us that long. What are the big rocks that make them stay with us? And then the new people that have been infused into the organization that have that outside-in perspective as well. So I meld those two perspectives together, and there's some tough decisions that have to be made. And in the end, the way we make those decisions is the health of supporting our customers' business. And we do, we have a very active user group. And to your point of that user group that's been with us for a very long time, and we ask them some very hard questions. When you ask about how we make choices on what to do with the platform, yes, everybody might have different priorities, but if there's enough groundswell that it makes a difference and it has a bigger impact across our customer base, we take that in consideration. Our, our founder, Rodney, is still with, with the organization. You know, He's the steward of Nexture. And so that historical and knowledge perspective is important to me. And then marrying that and infusing it with some of the new requirements, it is a tough decision that we make every day. But we take a look at maintaining the health of our large customer base. And we have a large contingency of agencies just like yours that we hope to grow and you will become that next level of, of customer. And, and that's our goal is to help. You're dang you right. Watch out, Locks, and I'm coming Watch for out. you. <laughs> and we'll support you getting there. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, Freedom Jumper. Are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who isn't, right? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agencies succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry. Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com. So right along those lines, I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge the fact that sometimes I'm just a pain in the ass. There's no way around it. I'm always looking two steps ahead and trying to figure out what does our team need six months from now, a year from now? What are the obstacles that we're going to encounter? And with an AMS, with a platform, obviously you guys are just fundamental to how we operate as as a, an agency. I love that Greg Arnold called me and said, hey, I want you to take a call with Client Circle, formerly known as Rocket Referrals. We think they may be a good option. We're looking at potentially kind of bolting them on as a CRM component to, rather than building out our own CRM internally. Well, we think they might be a good partner to do that and make everything happen faster. That, that kind of foresight is precisely what I'm looking for in a vendor 
how do you guys decide how these things need to happen? Because your list of integration partners is massive from ePay Policy, which is a sister company through one of your private equity partners behind the scenes, to RingCentral, to DocuSign, to you know all the other usual suspects in the insurance ecosystem. One of the most attractive things about X-Dimensional and NextShare as a platform is how well they, they play nicely with others. And they being, I shouldn't say they, that's the wrong pronoun, how nicely you and your team are with other companies. And the whole EAI thing and the way that you guys have a really structured approach to the whole API and strategic partnerships thing. How does all of that happen from a 30,000 foot level, you know, from the executive suite, when you guys are thinking about who's next on the list, whether it's client circle or somebody else out there in the ecosystem, what are you looking for in a partner? And how do those decisions get made? No, no, I appreciate the question because I think the first time I, as the CEO, I stood up in front of our customer community and said, I don't necessarily think that we can be your entire solution. I just want to be part of the solution. And so with that, you know, guidepost in mind, we look at what our, we feel like we're the heart and soul of the policy administration for our customers. And then we take a hard look that says, where are our strengths? And is our, if our strength is really helping that workflow and the distribution and the management of your policy and your customer base, and if we're not, have not invested in, for instance, you bring up CRM, and we know we could do it within the platform, but it may take us a year to do that. Is that worth missing and supporting our customers if it's going to take us a year to build that out in the platform? So the decision criteria is I look for applications that are really strong and great in the market that would take me too long to build. Why not just partner with somebody that's much stronger, that that's been their total focus? Because policy processing and supporting an agency is complex. There's lots of moving parts. Let's determine what we're good at and let's partner with those that have focused on like ePay policy. That's all they focus on. So why wouldn't I want to give my customers the best solution out there? Um, And granted, I know Rodney could build anything, but it's going to take him time and take him away from some of the core applications. So once we determine that functionality, what I look for in the attributes of a partner is same philosophical, you know, focus on the customer, focus on what you do best, and are they easy to work with? I mean, much like you would determine how you work with a vendor, we we look for the same attributes as a partner. Do we have the same, you know, we, we aren't necessarily going to say have the same culture, but we I want to have the same vision in supporting customers. And that's who we move forward with. I love it. When I meet two different executives two different companies that have such a compatible vision. I had the privilege of recording an episode with uh, Tori Mayers at uh, Client Circle, CEO of Client Circle and, and mm-hmm. Rocket Referrals that will, now that we're having this conversation, I think I'm going to release your episode first because in the context of the NextShare ecosystem, I feel like that conversation with Client Circle makes more sense for the audience actually. So literally just did a little switcheroo in my head of, wait a second, <laughs> probably need to put Lanny's episode first so they have a better understanding of how things are happening over here. You know, I, I will make no secret about it. I, I love putting great companies together. And when I have the opportunity to say, hey, you over here and you over there, you guys need to get together because we want you to work together because selfishly, it serves our purposes when two great vendors get on the same page and figure out some way to make an API happen. 
where it's less duplicate entry for my office and everybody else who uses these vendors. I'm looking at you, IPFS. Thank you for that, by the way. When I found out that you guys have a great partner with ePay, of course, for the for the payment portal, but ePay has no interest at all in getting into the premium financing game, definitely saw a good opportunity to you know make some introductions and hopefully something happens there with IPFS. They have been a great partner for ours so far. So, and I, I won't ask you to make any comments there because I know that that's a little bit too far down the rabbit hole. You know, when I think about the way that XDTI and and of course the next year product the way that it's positioned. I'd love to give you the opportunity to speak into some of the optics because full transparency, I had never heard of Nexture, which I think is bizarre. Uh, I don't know how I didn't. Shame on me for being uninformed. But until uh, Ryan Hanley, who's uh, become a, a, a friend of mine over the last couple of years, and we talk pretty regularly offline, I heard from him that he was considering making the move to you know Nexture and then eventually did make the move. And then, of course, I find out after the fact that like half of the master agencies in SIA, which is a network that I'm a, a very enthusiastic part of, half of the master agencies are on Nexture. And I was like, guys, how have I never heard of this? What on earth? Come to find out that a lot of people think of Nexture as a great AMS, a great platform for wholesalers, for MGAs, for master agencies and networks. A lot of people don't think about Nexture as a great AMS and platform for traditional bread and butter retail agencies. What do you want to say about that? How do you attack that commonly held thought? Because when I went out into my network and said, hey, what about Nexture? I'm looking at them and trying to figure out, are they a potential suitor for our AMS? Because we were with NowCerts for three plus years and the team at NowCerts did a great job. They have a good product over there. I'm not going to knock them at all. We just outgrew them. It's as simple as that. And when we were doing our due diligence, I heard from a lot of people, I don't know if they're great for a retail agent. They're great for, you know, aggregator, MGA, network, et cetera, because of the data architecture of your platform being so friendly to different levels and tiers of user base. Uh, what do you want to say to folks that would say, hey, Nextra is not great for retail agents? Uh, yeah, I'd say you don't understand our heritage. And what's interesting, when I when I took the helm of this company in, you know, a little over two years ago, we we coined the phrase, we were the best kept secret in the market, to your point. We we have a great product and platform. And it was a lot of it was getting the word out. And in terms of investments in people like Ryan Hanley and Ryan Brosworth, excuse me, and making sure that we are getting the message out. So part of it was marketing and sales. Part of it was we have been supporting agencies like yours for years, but the communication just was not happening. And so a lot of it is a communication. And a lot of it also is continued investment in the product for the retail space, which we've done over the last two years. And you brought up the, the situations of increased integrations, which we've done increase investment in our APIs that support the smaller agency markets for the partners that you're looking for. So I think a lot of it is word of mouth was before. It's one of the reasons why I really am excited about doing this podcast. We do need to get our word out there because we feel we have a great platform. We do have a, a strong representation in your size of agency in our existing customer base. 
And to your point, what we've invested in as well is simplified implementation and conversions that can support bringing on more agencies like yourself. That's fantastic. You know, I, I was surprised when I found out the economics of the situation and where you guys fall as an average price point, you know, cost per user and where the extra fees are and whatnot. Nothing at all against our, our colleagues at the the big three, as I call them. Really, it's a big two and a half. Zywave isn't all the way there yet. They've they've made their way into the scene with a lot of big splash acquisitions. But everybody in the industry knows Applied and Vertifor own the uh, lion's share of the market. And, you know, for good reason, they have many, many, many customers. When I talked to Applied, when I talked to Vertifor and got the basic economics of the situation, for a small agency, one, QQ Catalyst is not really that friendly for a commercial-focused agency, certainly not one that does a lot of agency bill and ENS stuff. For a Main Street, inside-the-box agency, it's a great platform. For us, it was really a non-starter just because of the way that they approach certain things. And Applied Epic is undoubtedly the, the dominant player in the big agency space. You take a look at the top 100 brokers, and the vast majority of the top 100 are on Applied Epic, but for the small and medium-sized office, which, I mean, Risk only has seven seats, and we're a little more than a million in revenue right now, it's just cost prohibitive. I was looking at, you know, it was well into forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 just to get started with Epic. When you th- think about data migration and all the bolt-ons and everything, and then along comes next year, and it's like, well, shoot, compared to the other options that you guys are typically compared against, which is Applied Epic and AMS 360 from Vertifor, in my professional opinion, the value is so much different with Nexture because the simple economics of the situation are so different. And what you're ending up with as a finished product, I mean, it's incredibly high perceived value from my perspective. So I don't know where the question is here in this, other than how do you guys shake out against the the oligarchy that is applied and Vertifor? Why should someone consider Nexture instead of Applied Epic or AMS 360? Yeah, well, I appreciate the opportunity to answer that. I mean, I think to your point, what we are hearing is people want an alternative in the market. And I think, you know, competition is is very healthy. And I will say, you know, back to your point in terms of the, the customer base that the Applied Epic has in the large, we feel that we are a good alternative for a segment of the market that wants the full same functionality that's offered on a single platform. And we've been doing this long enough that we're very efficient and very experienced in the conversions that are required that we feel we can offer it at a value price point that still is a good deal for our customers and also good business for us. And so we're taking and leveraging the longevity that we've actually had in the market on the platform Marrying that with, you know, the recent acquisition that Sarant did with resources to expose that to the market and gain the efficiencies to be able to distribute it to the customer base at a good price. Love it. I couldn't expect a better answer from you at this point. And like we talked about before we hit record, I don't have any expectation that you're going to put your boxing gloves on as the CEO of a competing, a competing vendor. But as the host of the podcast, I get to say whatever I, I feel is accurate. So I might take shots, but I'll do so politely. And I will do so with the understanding that as we record this, 
I am four days away from being a guest of Vertifort at their NetView conference in Austin. So I would be just silly if I was anything other than polite and collegial with the the conversation. So as we approach the the downslope of this conversation, there's probably a couple of questions to be said about uh, the upcoming conference in uh, in September and the the vibrant user group that you guys have. I had a, had the pleasantries of, of talking with a couple of people that are in leadership of the user group and some things that they're trying to accomplish. I was really surprised with how engaged all of that is. I'm not accustomed to having such a an engaged relationship. I don't know how else to say it other than just really vibrant between the vendor and the user group. What's your thoughts on how this thing plays out in, in the coming years? Yeah, it's the heritage of, of X-dimensional technologies. It's the culture. It's the way, you know, you, you talk to the, the foundational aspects of the company were what do we need to deliver to our most vibrant users to be successful? So that's that was the heritage of the company. And as we've grown, we've still embraced that and we see it evolving. I, you know, our customer base has grown significantly, but that's good news for the user group. And, and we still stay very engaged with that user community. We, we commit to a minimum of one on-site strategy session per year with just the executive team and the board from the user group. Our user conference is, is a very vibrant, engaging, and we have monthly calls with our user group board to really keep evaluating the evolving requirements. And it's not just feature function capability within the system. It's it's how we engage and provide support. So it, it goes beyond the platform. And how I see that evolving moving forward is not only user group, but I coin it as a strategic advisory board function within my organization. We need that to keep the pulse, not only on our current customers, but I have an additional ask of our user group and and our user group leaders in that don't just talk about what we know internally, but give us more of an outside in view on where you see the industry. So it keeps us not only a pulse on our product and how we're delivering services, but a pulse on the direction of the industry. And that's how we will continue to use it going forward. Well, I I won't be shy about taking my shot since I have the pleasure of the audience of the CEO, the only things that we at, and my team that have been communicated to me, because they know I'm having this conversation with you right now, Addie, who's our operations manager, she is the one who is basically the grand poobah of next year in our office. I made a very conscious decision to not be the guy who knows everything about the AMS because with our last vendor, I was tech support. Before anybody even <laughs> called the vendor, I was the one going, Hey, well, let me take a look at what's going on. It's like, no, we've grown to the point. The CEO doesn't need to be tech support. I'm not doing my highest and best use if I'm the one who knows everything about our AMS vendor. So when we moved to Nexture, Addie became the the knower of all things. And she is uh, in New Hampshire right now, or else she would be sitting right next to me putting questions in my ear. Uh, but shout out to Addie. There you go. The The only two things that we have found that aren't, just really smooth like the rest of the platform i'm going to withhold a little bit of judgment until we get access to version four of the user interface which i don't know where all of that is i know we're in a long line of people that are waiting for access to that 
that's going to be really interesting to see just the the basic user interface improvements and then of course the crm thing that we talked about mm-hmm. but outside of figuring out the crm component and getting some way of managing pipelines and prospect data rather than just a little list that you're scrolling through man there's so much to like about the platform whether it's the attachment manager or the way that you all approach the actions and reporting thing to the way that the client portal interacts with all the other integrations where the client can access literally all of their data right there on one convenient interface or the accounting functions and whatnot. It's, you know, coming from someone who's basically brand new to the platform, we only went live on February 1st. It is, it's been a wonderful experience. So I would love to have some sort of hard hitting feedback for you, Lanny, but I really don't other than to say you guys have a really good product and I'm known in some segments of the industry as being a guy who's never happy, who's constantly complaining or poking holes in everything. I don't really have that much to poke in this one. I think your team has done a really masterful job of building a platform that does exactly what it claims to do. So bravo. Well, I appreciate that. And we know that things evolve and change. And so that's why we we have the framework in place for our customers to always have a seated and a voice at the table. And, you know, I know you'll take advantage of that through the user group. And we also appreciate, you know, we, we also recognize there's the flip side to that. And we have the internal conversations on good customers. And we are very fortunate that we have good customers like you that put good good people in place like Addy that make our job easier as well. So, you know, she makes my job easier too. (laughs) So I guess she just wins on every front, doesn't she? Oh, man. We're about ready to land the plane here, Lanny. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Any announcements or any encouraging things that you want to share with the audience before we get to the the wrap-up and provide all the information about where people can go to find out more about NextSure and NextDTI? No, I just want to say, you know, you've provided us a great platform to show we are focused on on agencies like RiskWell. We appreciate the opportunity and we we really believe we're a good solution, not only in the functionality and the platform itself, but a company that is good to work with. We, we've got great people and we will continue to invest not only in the platform, but the people that support it as well. Love it. And it, it, let me just say out there for uh, Freedom Jumpers and listeners to our podcast here, it's not very often that you hear me make uh, an unqualified endorsement of a product. I would say... Take a demo with NextShare and XDTI. Have a conversation with Casey Krieger, one of the other folks on the business development and agency support side of things. Uh, See if it's a good fit for your office. You know, I came out of a a great relationship with NowCerts, which was a a wonderful platform in the first few years of our office. We eventually outgrew it and we're looking for some more advanced, more higher level, you know, middle market functionality, which we found at NextShare. So, Take a demo. We'll put the demo information in the show notes. You guys can uh, book time with XDTI and see if Nexture is a good fit for you. And full transparency, I don't get anything for remuneration or whatever else. There's no affiliate fees or anything uh, that are currently in place. And beyond that, that's really all I have to say in uh, this episode. I am in the middle of a conversation with Ryan, so I don't know exactly how much longer that's take, taking. Depending on how long you wait to sign up, Freedom Jumper, there, there may be some kind of a kickback. So I'm not entirely sure what will progress later this year. I don't ever want to be a liar to my own audience. That would not be cool. But Lanny Cathy, CEO of XDTI, 
thank you so much for your valuable time today. And I have appreciated it. I know our listeners have as well. That's really it for another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast, boys and girls. Make it a great day. We'll talk to you again real soon. Y'all take care. Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite platform to get automatic updates with every new episode and help other people find us. If you like what you hear, please drop us a review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share AFP with someone you know who is still in captivity. They'll thank you later. Visit our website at agencyfreedom.com to get access to exclusive content and announcements. Join our community on Facebook by typing in Agency Freedom in the search bar. Send your questions, comments, guest recommendations, and favorite grilling recipes to us at podcast at agencyfreedom.com. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Until next time, let's go.